A 2007 study found that women and men use roughly the same number of words a day. 16,215 words for women compared to men's 15,669. It's relatively the same. Now, if that's true, again, how could anybody really count that? But if that's true, it's not the norm in my family. My four-year-old daughter averages 2.8 million words an hour. She sings to herself. She raps to herself. Her figurines have detailed conversations. She talks. She loves to talk. And we all talk. Online, in person, which is scary because words have power. If we average around 16,000 words a day, we have 16,000 opportunities to bring life or death into someone else's life, including our own. Words carry power. Words can leave wounds that last a lifetime. Words can inspire someone for a lifetime. Words can destroy a community. Words can build up a community. Words can end a marriage. Words can revive a marriage. Words matter. Loose words must have been an issue in James's church because in this entire chapter, he confronts head-on what he has hinted at before, the danger and power of the tongue for the individual and for the community of the believers. Turn to James chapter 3. Turn to James chapter 3. We are in verse 1. Please have God's word in front of you. If you do not, we have Bibles in the back. It's more fun if you read along with us. If you want to take notes, that'd be great too. James 3 verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Now, we're all teachers in one sense. We're all called to make disciples. But what I think James here is he's addressing those who desire to teach as a leader in the church. And some of you are like, that's no problem. I would rather die than public speak. I would rather uh, be in the coffin at a funeral than give a sermon at a funeral. The desire to teach isn't bad, but when it's driven by pride, a need for attention, or a play for greater status, it is a heavy responsibility. I mean, I'm, I'm excited that I get to preach to you each and every week. But there's a little bit of fear that comes with this job. A little bit of reverence because this responsibility is weighty. That's why Doug prayed for me this morning. It's why Greg prayed for me last week. We're not flippant with what goes on here. Because what I teach will be judged with greater strictness. Look at the rest of verse 2. For we all stumble in many ways. How many of you have said something this week you regret? How many of you have said something this morning <laughs> you regret? How many of you have said something on your way to church you regret? Look at the rest of verse two. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. Because the tongue is so stinking 
hard to control. It's this wild animal. If you can tame that wild beast, you can for sure bridle and tame other parts of your body. The tongue is powerful. How how powerful, you say? Well, James tells us. Let's keep reading. Look at verse 3. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. Uh, A horse can get up to six to eight feet long, 2,000 pounds. The bit that controls a horse, five to six inches, maybe one to two pounds. A small thing controls the whole body of a large animal. We went on a Royal Caribbean cruise trip for our 10-year anniversary, and let's just say uh, the brochure did not match the experience. Very different. There are cruise ship people out there, not one of them. It's just a weird place. It's a great place to people watch and get diabetes. Uh, it's, just, it's just a very weird place. They had on our, our, our ship, they had a, a, a Spanish class they offered, and I took it, and I got lost at sea. Nobody? <laughs> yep, yep, terrible. If you, <laughs> if you haven't been on a cruise ship, they are massive. I tried that joke out with my son, and he laughed and got it instantly. And so uh, thought it would kill here, but supposedly not. All right, stand-up hour's over. If you haven't been on a cruise ship, they're, they're massive marvels of engineering. 230,000 tons driven by small rudders. With both of, both of these illustrations... Here's really the main point for the entire day. The tongue's power is disproportionate to its size. The tongue's power is disproportionate to its size. Either you can control your tongue or your tongue can control you. As suggested in verse two, when believers exercise careful control of the tongue, It's also assumed that they're able to direct their whole lives in a way that honors God. So if the tongue is not restrained, as small as it is, the rest of the body is likely to be out of control as well. It can have a massive impact on your life and on the lives of others if it's used wisely. Think about, just just think about this. How much of your life could be shaped if you only spoke of things that honor God? What if you only spoke that which builds others up and you just just try, I'm gonna get rid of everything else. What if you spoke truth to even the person you look at in the mirror? I mean, how would your life change? How much more would everything else follow? In terms of others, James, throughout this entire book in the larger context, is concerned with how our words impact others. In terms of others, your, your words can have 
an uplifting, edifying, encouraging effect because they are so powerful. A few weeks ago, I was in just a a very stressful state, um, just just anxious about life. It's it's a natural bent for Skimbry men to to be that way. Uh, Got that from my dad, thanks. And uh, somebody in the church sent a text and it said, man, my family loves you. I can tell that, that you love your church and you love your friends. Now, some of you may be like, that's not true. But he said it. <laughs> Thank you for, for nudging me in the right direction. Thank you for getting me back into a community of believers. And man, that was just, that was soul fuel. <laughs> that empowered me. I have a, I have a drawer in, in, my de- in my desk, in my office, that's just full of of letters of encouragement, uh, nice notes that people have written just sporadically or on my birthday uh, that just have encouraged me as a pastor. And I keep those there because words have power. Words have power. The book of Proverbs lays out the power of speech. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. A gentle answer turns away wrath. Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Your words have power to change a life for the better. The tongue's power is disproportionate to its size. It can be wielded wisely for good, but if unbridled, it will cause massive destruction. Look at verse five again. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How a great forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire. A world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. Colorado knows well the power of a tiny spark. Just just look up Colorado wildfires and your, your mind will be blown. Sometimes it's lightning but sometimes hundreds and thousands of acres of forest and homes and and life have been taken because of one misplaced cigarette, because of one spark from a campfire. That's what the tongue can do. A small instrument, it can be an instrument of great carnage. The tongue is a world of unrighteousness, James tells us. The tongue represents and puts into expression all the wickedness of the world. The tongue continually corrupts and defiles the person who speaks wrongly. Sins committed with the tongue spread spiritual pollution to your entire body. Jesus said, it's not what goes into a mouth that makes one unclean, but what comes out that defiles us. It sets on fire the entire course of life. It affects all of human existence from birth to death. The tongue inflames it all. It's a tool of destruction, an instrument of Satan, powered by the fires of hell itself super uplifting the tongue has the power this is i think what james is saying to turn your life into a 
smoldering garbage fire of sin and death. Be hateful with your tongue. You'll be hateful with other aspects of your behavior. If you fail to discipline and purify your speech, you will not discipline and purify the rest of your life. This this reference to hell may also suggest that the continually unrepentant tongue that consistently is starting fires may find themselves in one. Of course, we know from other parts of this letter that James is not only concerned about the one speaking and the fire that is caused there, he is concerned about the destruction that can happen in a community when, when lips are loose. You know the power of words if you've tasted the rotten fruit of an untamed tongue. Have you been on the receiving end of gossip? Have you been belittled, cursed at, bragged on, manipulated, given to false teaching? Some of us have never truly gotten over what someone else has said to us in the past. Sticks and stones may break bones, but words, words can rip a life apart. Look at verse seven. For every kind of beast and bird or reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. My friend, Bo Towns, that I worked with years and years ago, had a a lab. No, it was a golden retriever. I'm sorry. Um, And he would take this dog everywhere. He would sit under his desk in his office. He would actually preach with his dog next to him sometimes. And he always played this game with people. He would tell his dog to sit. And then he would challenge people. I dare you to try to coerce this dog to move. And so in front of an audience like this, everybody would be like, come here, boy. Everybody like, come on, come on, you're such a good boy. And pulling out treats and oh, oh. And the dog would just kind of like look at them and then look at Bo. (laughs) And you could tell that that dog was trained. It would not move unless Bo spoke. You can train a dog. You can train a parrot, ferret. You can train a whale. You cannot bridle the tongue. You can't. No human being can tame something so restless and full of evil. No human. Augustine points out, he does not say that no one can tame the tongue, but no one of men. We must look outside of humanity for help in in taming the tongue. Something that we'll revisit here. But James finishes up this section by stating the major problem with the tongue. It's duplicitous. It's forked. We also get to the heart of the problem. Look at 9 and 10. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Blessing God, praising God is the highest form of speech. 
cursing someone made in the image of God is the lowest and filthiest form of speech. James says, Christians, you can't, you can't come and praise God. Thank you. I bless you. Thank you for all the good things you've shown me, the grace, the mercy. Oh, we, we love you. You've, you've redeemed my soul. You know, you're, you're living water and all the blessings in my life. And then turn around and say, God, go get them. May their life be cursed. May, may my anger be poured out on them. May your anger strike them down, God. James says, because of who you are, brothers, he says brothers and sisters, because of who you are and whose you are, this not ought to be so. Look at verse 11 and 12. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. No stream or plant can produce that which is contrary to its nature. Therefore, a redeemed heart changed by Jesus ought not to produce evil. Jesus says something very similar in Matthew 7. Every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor a diseased tree bear good fruit. Douglas Moo, a professor, says, only a renewed heart can produce that which is good, including pure speech. And consistently, though not perfectly, pure speech is to be the product of the renewed heart. It would be very tempting to leave this passage and say, man, I need to tame my tongue. I need, to, I need to stop swearing at people on the highway. I need to stop putting my foot in my mouth. I need to stop striking out in anger at, at, at those I love because I'm stressed. Uh, I'm going to get a jar. And, and every time I speak ill of others, I'm going to put a dollar in it and, and buy my wife a Ferrari by the end of the week. And, uh, uh, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make these, these rules about speech and I'm never going to talk behind anybody behind their back. And, 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 hey, those are good things to pursue. Not saying don't pursue those things, but if you neglect the heart, all of those things will be for naught. Imagine a man who has an apple tree in his yard that only produces rotten apples. I heard this illustration this week. One day he tells you he has a plan to fix the tree. The next day you see him come home from the grocery store with a big bag of shiny red apples and he gets out his heavy duty nail gun and, and starts stapling these good apples to the tree. He says, the tree is alive and healthy, right? Wrong. The fruit on the tree may look good from a distance, but there's still a problem with the root. And so it is with us, our hearts, and not just our behavior and our speech. 
are bad apart from Christ. So much of what we read and hear about in terms of people changing and growing spiritually is nothing more than fruit stapling. We need more than superficial fixes if we're to grow in this area of speech. To tame the tongue, we must get to the root of the problem. We must enliven the heart. And to do that, we must let the gospel wash over it. And here's what I mean by this, because I want to get somewhat practical of when I walk away, what, what do I need to allow to happen to me so that my speech may be changed to edify God and not dishonor him? I must first repent. Change happens when we repent. I must realize the depth of my sin. My heart is polluted, and I know that because I can tell of the e- because of the evil I spew. I must own the fact that my words have been used by the enemy, and I must run to the Father for forgiveness only found in the gospel. You have to be honest with yourself. You have to look in the mirror and say, rotten, rottenness is coming out of my mouth. And you repent and say, God, I'm sorry. And then you turn the other direction into life. I must remember in my heart who I am in Christ. I must apply the gospel to my life daily. According to the gospel, I am a child of God. I'm accepted by God. I'm loved by God. When I know whose I am and who I am in what scenario does anger, bitterness, and jealousy need to be spoken? Not, not many scenarios. Talk behind my back. You know, try to chip away at my reputation. You know, I can talk to you about it. but I can hold back bitterness because God has accepted me. I don't need to run someone down with my words if I think they're better than me, which we do often. That person thinks they're better than me. Let's talk about them. Let's gossip about them. Let's let's put them down. I don't need to do that because I'm accepted by the creator of the universe. I am secure in Christ, loved by God. I don't always, this is a shock. You don't always have to give your opinion. <laughs> you, that was not directed at anybody specific, those fingers. They were. Um, to make yourself look wise or educated. Because you're good in God's eyes. You don't have to be impressive in other people's eyes. I can speak love, grace, mercy, and forgiveness because that is what God has shown to me. Here's also who I am. I'm an ambassador for Christ. I have a responsibility. I can either push people towards Jesus or make them run away from Jesus by how I speak. To remind people of who I am, 
I need to regularly receive the word of God in my heart. Pastor and professor Sinclair Ferguson said, as the words that have been formed in God's mouth are digested as the bread of life by us, they begin to form our thinking, our affections, our volitions in a wonderful way. If you live in Texas, you'll start talking like a Texan. So how are you doing will turn into what? What y'all doing? You'll start saying y'all. If you hang out in America, you'll start talking a little bit like an American. If you're consistently in God's word, you will develop a godly accent. You will begin to speak like Jesus. So we need to repent. We need to remember who we are. We need to receive the word. And finally, I must realize I need the Holy Spirit's help. According to the gospel, I am a new creation. Sin is no longer my master. I have the Holy Spirit who can help me overcome an unbridled tongue. The tongue is tamed by no man. Luckily, we have God living in us. We must ask the Holy Spirit to guide our speech. I mean, what would it look like if you woke up each morning and said, Spirit, give me wisdom. Set watch over my mouth. What would it look like every hour to, to ask the Spirit to, to, and, and say, help me to be slow to speak, to declare no evil of, of another, to not grumble, to not exaggerate or lie for my own benefit, to not lash out, help me to speak life. Help me to ask for prayers when I'm with others. Let my words bring restoration and encouragement. Let me speak of God's goodness, grace, and power often. And I'll end by saying this. In some ways, I feel like I'm the last person who should be preaching this message because I consistently struggle. I struggle to, to let my words not, not be let loose, especially if I'm, I'm anxious, especially if life is, is rough. I can be very kind with my words. That's sometimes what it's like. The thing you're most gifted in can come back and bite you. I'm very, I can be very kind with my words, very friendly with my words, but especially with my loved ones, I can, I can bite. I can bite hard. And there are instances where I walk into a situation, I'm like, God, help me out. It's usually like two minutes before I walk into that situation, so I need to get better at that. Uh, but God, help me out, help me out. And then I find myself halfway through that conflict, and my tongue's just like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> just let loose, and I'm just like watching it do destruction. If you need to pray, I need to pray for, for the Holy Spirit to come. We're not going to be perfect in this but for the Holy Spirit to come and mature us in this area. We, we, we all need to say, help me to tame this tongue, this tiny thing, and use its great power according to your will.